Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach. Always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and and I'm in a different part of the country. I I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're Reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Oh, yeah. Welcome to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. And um, what a whirlwind week it has been. I'm telling you, I've done a lot of traveling and a lot of presenting. Even white water rafted. And was that fun? Yes, it was totally a blast. Do I need to do it again? Absolutely not. But I tell you what I do need to do is I need to find ways to get more information out to you about how to heal your relationship. Now, I get that I have sex addicts, both men and women, that that aren't in relationships. So I know this may not be as pertinent, but we've got this workshop coming up October 8th uh, from 10 to 5, and my colleague Kim Hansen Petroni and myself, we're going to be guiding it. It's going to be walking you through the steps of Help Them Heal, giving you, I would say, the basics, but I'm also going to be walking you through some steps that are a little intense. Uh, a little filled with conflict. And yet, this workshop is geared to work you forward. I want to move you forward because I want you to heal. And so you'll get an idea of what you need to do and what risks you need to take. And if you are interested, go to www.sexhelpwithcarolthecoach.com forward slash workshops and that'll take you right there where you can register we're going to keep keep it small 
um, well, it, it all depends on what small is, right? But we're going to keep it under 15 couples. Uh, it matters not how old you are, how young you are, you know, what part of partner betrayal you're in. It may be six months. It may be 60 years. doesn't matter. Because actually this book is written to get you through the hard stuff, even if you've done some of the work that helped them heal talks about, you also need to really pursue all three phases. Well, you need to pursue phase number one and two, uh, safety and stabilization for phase one, and then anger, grief, mourning, and loss. So you can get over there and begin to dip your toe in post-traumatic stress. I'm, that was a pointing slip, post-traumatic growth. And that's the thing about post-traumatic growth. It's not something that you immediately get into. It is something that you work yourself towards. And that's why I am a proponent of how important it is to know how to get through these stages. You know, I train all over the world and uh, train all the coaches and clinicians for APSATS, that partner-sensitive organization. And going to be doing some training with other organizations, too. So if you want to figure out how to move your relationship forward, October 8th, 10 to 5, go to my website and sign up. Now, that being said, today we're going to be talking about the opposite. We're going to be talking uh, about when to stay or leave, leave a relationship, when your partner's slipping, when you don't feel safe, looking at reasons to stay in a relationship, and when it is messing with your insanity. So I'm going to be talking with Rebecca Stokes, who is just the aficionada of so many things. She's worked for the Meadows. You've heard her speak before. And she's going to be guiding you through when to stay and when to go. And, you know, this is what this show is about, asking experts. So, Rebecca, this is Carol, the coach. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me, Carol. Great to be back. Well, yeah, and you and I both believe that there are many reasons to stay in a relationship from family, finances, and most importantly, love, but it leaves our, our partners wondering, Am I settling and or am I selling myself short? And so I thought this was really a pertinent topic for today. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a it's a really hard place I think for most people to come to where this this decision of do I stay in a relationship with someone, do I go, how do I tell if I should stay or if I should go? It can be really difficult. Yeah, so now tell me, what do you believe are the reasons to stay in a relationship when betrayal has occurred and 
They're both in the midst of wondering what they need to do. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, I think this is, what I really look at is, you know, we've been, when we've been in a long-term relationship and we've built a life with someone, it is not easy to decide to leave. And I think what it really comes down to is most of us want to know that we've tried all the options to call, you know, call it save the relationship or see if the relationship can move forward. And one of the things I look at is if your partner is going into active recovery for SA, we do want to give our partners a chance to see if the recovery is going to work. And that can help the relationship move forward. And I guess what I look at is, you know, the research out there is that if you can learn how to go through a rupture in a relationship and learn how to repair it's actually really amazing for your nervous system and your partner's nervous system. And, you know, those of us working in the field with sex addiction, we see couples all the time work through things. So it is possible to do. And so how do they measure that? I mean, because we, we all know that, you know, it may be that the addict looks like he or she is doing really well and then there's slips and relapses. I know you talk yeah. about green red lights in a relationship. Talk a little bit about, you know, the lights that indicate staying in a relationship may not always be the best choice, especially if they look like they're red lights. Yeah, and if we're talking, obviously, essay-specific, one of the things that I look at is, noticing the difference between active recovery and your partner being in active recovery versus what does it look like when my partner's out of active recovery. And this could look like uh, going to less therapy appointments without really consulting their therapist, um, missing groups, um, not really taking an interest in their recovery as much. And it could also look like a relapse in secretive behavior, stories not lining up. Um, in the addiction field, we kind of we call it like in-addiction behavior patterns. And so you, you might start to see that. You might also see that your partner is not really willing to put in the time and the effort to the relationship. And that could be in recovery. That could be before recovery. And then obviously from the standpoint in our field, if there's physical abuse or, you know, really bad psychological verbal abuse happening, a therapeutic separation may be a serious option that you need to consider. And also, you know, if things aren't getting better, there may be need, there may, it may be time to think about some other options. Okay. And so what I first heard you say is complacency may be mm-hmm. indicative of problems ahead because you and I both know that you can't get lax with your recovery tools. You've got to keep them up. Mm-hmm. They are the things that keep you on the right road, and this is the hardest addiction to navigate. So complacency yeah. is, is a warning sign, Correct. That is correct. I think that's a really great way to summarize that. And it is that complacency. It's that stepping back from recovery, not not being in active recovery. Right. And then, so red lights in your in your world are 
warning signs that you really need to, to take a look at what's going on in the relationship. And green lights typically indicate that staying in the relationship is a good idea. What's your idea of some green light behaviors? Yeah, these are, you know, these active recovery behaviors. So maybe your partner is in a therapy group or a support group. They have a sponsor they're working with. They're doing a 12-step program. Hopefully they're seeing an individual therapist. Uh, Maybe they went to a treatment center. Now they're coming out to do some outpatient work. And as you get further down the road, in recovery, they may not be going to as many groups or seeing their therapist as much, but maybe now they're doing some workbooks or they're doing more check-ins with you. And and that's really a big one, I think, is if your partner is, is checking in with you and telling you about their recovery and they're being open about slips and, you know, also good things in the recovery, that's a really good indicator that your partner's in active recovery. Yes, and so tell everybody a little bit about your background because you truly have trained with some of the best and you've got a lot of experience with recovery. Let them know about your involvement with Meadows. Yeah, so I did my, um, with our degrees in clinical mental health therapy, I did my hours of training. It's kind of like a residency. That's the best way I can describe it to people. It's a residency where we go do hours. And I chose to go to the Meadows because it's an amazing trauma facility and also really in a place about different types of addictions. And that's that's what I love about the Meadows is that it's about, hey, we're not just going to look at one thing. We're going to try to see you as a whole person and really see what's going on on a lot of different levels. And I I love that about the Meadows, and I think it's really helpful when you turn that on to sex addiction and looking at, you know, relationships and other parts of what it is to go through an addiction. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you and I both know that when somebody is brave enough to get into treatment, whether it's Meadows or Pine Grove or there's yeah. fabulous uh, rehab centers all over the country. It's really a good sign that they're getting the best, most concentrated amount of help that they can. And typically they're in no shorter than two weeks, and most of the time, 45 days, and maybe even four to six, six weeks after that, if they need that continued help. Um, why do you think rehab? is uh, such a stronghold for men or women that are having trouble staying in recovery. Yeah, I think, well, I guess what I've seen is, you know, like you're talking about, there are some amazing recovery centers and treatment centers all over the country. And what I always look for is treatment centers that have a, you know, a trauma-informed view on treatment. I think that's really, really important because for a lot of people, you know, I always see the addiction as a coping tool gone awry, right? It's, it's a tool that we're overusing. It's a tool that has been overused. And so these really amazing treatment centers can help you get through to the roots of what's really going on 
at the bottom. And I think that's where the changes really, really start. And that's why I think having, gosh, 30 days, 45 days, someplace where you can really work on yourself, it's a gift. It's an amazing gift you can give yourself. Yes, and of course, we really appreciate the um, rehab centers that include families, include the partners, so that they're not left in the dark to wonder what what's next in their life. Um, and, you know, 20 years ago, there were very few programs that had invited family or invited the spouse. Uh, and so, again... A green light would be if the addict is really wanting his spouse or her spouse, depending on the sex of the addict, to be an active part of the recovery. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's it's really looking at, you know, this openness, right, being able to talk about things. And hopefully you will, you know, if you're going through – sex addiction recovery with your partner, you eventually begin to work with a couple therapists. And then you begin to find ways that you can actually, you know, start to talk to each other about some deeper things and start to ask for needs and wants in the relationship that maybe you weren't asking about before. Also, when you've been through some betrayal trauma, you you may need to put in some checks and balances, um, some ways to communicate better about triggers, and so hopefully these are ways that you begin to communicate and you can begin to grow as a couple. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. So now more about your philosophy, which is really, really interesting. I mean, other than kind of exploring the green lights that tell you that your partner is doing well, you also know that past traumas and betrayals impact the brain and nervous system leading to cloudy decision-making. And so Uh let me ask you, how do you help a partner work through his or her trauma responses so that they have better executive functioning and can do a better job of making decisions? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, I think it starts in the beginning about IDing what's going on. So if you're the partner, being able to recognize that you've been through a lot of trauma, most likely, and it is hard to come back from that. And so when we look at the nervous system in our bodies, the first thing I try to explain to people is that it is very normal to have a nervous system response to a real or perceived threat. So uh, an example would be, yeah, so an example would be like in the past, if if your partner would act out by texting you and saying, hey, I'm staying late at work, but instead they were, you know, going out and having an affair, and let's say now you're in recovery and you and your partner in recovery, you're working through it, but you get a text from your partner that says, hey, I'm working late. Well, most likely your nervous system is going to have a response to that, a reaction, and that's normal. But it's a reaction to a past trauma in the moment, and so you're being triggered. And it's not actually happening because if your partner is in active recovery and they're not acting out, 
your partner is no longer doing that behavior, but your body doesn't know that. So that's a, that's a way I can kind of explain that nervous system reaction in the body. Yeah, that makes sense. And so let's face it, trauma takes a while to calm down. It's not something that you can work on for totally. a couple of weeks to be better. Mm-mm. Why do you partners feel the trauma? I mean, what? So many partners say, I feel like I'm going crazy. I just don't know myself anymore. Yeah. This isn't me. And I say, you're right. That's a trauma response. What do you tell them? Yeah. Well, so the way I explain it, and again, my background is as a, as a trauma therapist, I do a lot of work on a somatic level. So I'm a somatic experiencing practitioner. I also do EMDR. And what I look at is the nervous system and our biology. So this idea is that we have this window of tolerance, and this is a place where we can rest and digest, and we feel calm, we feel grounded in our bodies. When there's a real or perceived threat, we're going to have a response, right? And it's a survival response. We're going to maybe think about fighting or running, right, fight, flight. We may also have a freeze response in our body. All of these are normal responses because we're mammals, (laughs) and that is our biology. Uh, A way I describe it, too, is if you think of, you know, the gazelles out on the Serengeti, the gazelles are just eating the grass, doing gazelle things, and then, oh, my gosh, here come the cheetahs looking for lunch. Well, the gazelles don't talk about what they should do or, you know, have a a discussion. The gazelles run. They just naturally run. They don't even think about it their nervous systems take over. And we have that in our bodies too. In these moments of real or perceived threat within a relationship, because relationships are very important to us as social mammals, we have nervous system responses, which can actually make us feel like we're crazy. Yeah, and and, you know, again, it's all about survival. And these responses were actually... you know, genetically imposed way, 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 way back into the caveman days. And, you know, they say there's no greater loss than the loss of a child followed by partner betrayal. And when you think about survival, you realize that if you can't trust your spouse, if you feel rejected from your spouse, there's no greater threat. And so, obviously, and I would encourage everybody to watch that YouTube. It is, uh, all you need to do is put Giselle and Cheetah, and you'll see how that Giselle just goes right into freeze and pretends that she or he are dead, and the Cheetah just doesn't feel the need to pursue what's already dead and moves on. And it is a survival technique. Now, partners are very um, able to find that survival technique, and at the same time, you keep saying perceived because I agree with you that once they've been in real danger and they recognize that their spouse may not be willing to stay with them, then they, they have these filters that they look through that say everything is a danger. And that's where it gets really, really dicey on that central nervous system. 
what kind of books do you recommend for partners that are experiencing trauma responses and want more help to get through this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the classic book is The Body Keeps the Score by Bustle van der Kolk. And, and I recommend to people, you know, if you don't have a lot of time to read, try an audio book while you're driving to work or just driving around town. That's actually a really good one to listen to on audiobook. Um, and also anything by uh, Peter Levine. He's the developer of somatic experiencing, and he he's actually an MD, and he works as, you know, really talks about neurobiology and biology. And so that's, these are some really great places to get resources on what might be happening in your body. And then, of course, you know, Stephanie Karn's book for Betrayed Partners are excellent at discussing what's going on in your body as well. Yeah, well, you hit just some of the big, big gurus in the field of partner betrayal and somatization and um, obviously trauma responses. Now, you obviously are good at talking about what books are out there, what resources are available to our partners. Yeah, I and I think, you know, I think there's a lot of really great groups now, especially group therapy for betrayed partners. There's workshops out there now, which is lovely because, you know, 10 years ago, none of this was happening, but now we have this. And then also I think if you're, you know, looking for a therapist to help you work on somatic responses in the body, you might look for someone who's trained in somatic experiencing. EMDR can be very helpful. And there's actually a lot of other somatic therapies out there. Pat Ogden has her whole, you know, somatic modality uh, training. There's, there's a lot of great therapists who work in trauma, but I really do recommend looking for someone who's doing some of the somatic work to really help you understand what's going on in your nervous system. Absolutely. And again, you know, we're exploring the green lights that tell you as a partner, you know, when you're in danger and when you aren't and, and red lights reveal real problems. When you've been traumatized, you've experienced complex post-trauma it really does get more difficult to tell because you yes. have an entire that you're fighting, correct? Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's very hard um, just because, and that's why I talk to people about maybe even finding resources too on understanding what, let's call it red lights or slips would look like in recovery, when you're, how to know if your partner's not in active recovery. What are those things? Versus, okay, my partner is in active recovery. I can see him or her doing the work. I know. And being able to say, okay, am I having a trauma response? Am I being triggered by something? Um, you know, a really great example is uh, if, let's say, your partner would watch porn up in the office and they would close and lock the door. Let's say you come home one night and the door is closed and locked and immediately you notice what's happening in your body. Does your heart drop? Does your heart rate go up? Do you feel frozen? You have a trauma response in that moment. Now, it could be that your partner, if they're in active recovery, you later find out, oh, you know, they were on a Zoom call at, for work. 
and you're like, okay, I'm all right. But in that moment, your body doesn't know. Your body is back in that trauma, re-experiencing it. So it can be very scary. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And and so you've had years and years and years of experience. Let me just ask you, why have you stayed in this field, and what do you see has changed the most in terms of resources for partners? Yeah, I, I think it's, what I see is I think that there's actually a lot of hope in SA recovery because so much work has been done in the last 30 years on understanding what's going on and just in the field of addiction in general. And we really do have really amazing therapy modalities now. Uh, you, can, you can go do all of this therapy trauma work and feel very different afterwards. So I think just even having these trauma therapies now that are really, you know, they're evidence-based, they're well-researched, these, these tr- modalities are working. We also have so much more now with books, with people being open and talking about what it's like to be a betrayed partner and staying in a relationship and working through it. Uh, the world of EFT couples therapy has developed significantly in the last 20 years. There are so many more resources, resources that are trauma-informed now, and I really think that's what has, has been a game-changer for addiction. Yeah, absolutely. So now, obviously, should you stay or should you go? And what I heard you saying is it really depends on how hard he's working. And also, mm-hmm. you know, you and I both believe in – working a recovery program, but also working a relational program. And if he's not yeah. willing to go the extra mile and really help you to feel safe, um, that's, that's a reason to either stay with him and just decide you're going to have a roommate or uh-huh. separation and see what you really need in your life to make you feel um, confident and safe and happy again. Now, if if you had somebody that came to you and presented a mate who was not working in any way, shape, or form on recovery, you know, maybe you even sensed a bit of narcissism, what might you tell Mm -hmm. her? Well, you know, obviously, you know, I, I guess I'm as an EFT couples therapist, I'm a really big believer that you can work through a lot of things if you're willing to put in the time. But if your partner is not interested in putting in the time to do the work, yeah, you're, you're at a crossroads. And you're going to have to decide what kind of relationship do I want? Do I want emotional intimacy? Do I want a deeper connection with someone? Do I want to feel seen and heard and safe in the relationship? And I have seen people work through really, really difficult relationships and get to really good places. And I have seen very, you know, narcissistic partners become very different people who are empathetic and who actually can learn 
oh gosh, I didn't learn how to be empathetic towards others because it wasn't safe in my childhood, but now I'm learning I can do this. And I have seen that. So I think it is possible, but it's, it's really about you and your partner need to be doing the work. It can't be one-sided. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good observation. Um, and, and you know, as well as I, that sometimes you do watch a partner who is more afraid of change than the uncertainty of will her spouse ever get healthy. And that's when we work on their self-esteem and we have them work on themselves so that they can find happiness and joy in their own relationships with others so that they're not as dependent on their husband or wife. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. I think diversifying and having lots of people in your life who you can get gain emotional support from is huge. And also, you know, really understanding who you are as a person at a core level, that, that helps us be in healthy relationships where both parties are equal. Both parties are helping each other in times of need and also, you know, being there for celebration with each other and supporting each other. Well, I know that, you know, you had sent me some information and you had said, you know, what if an addict cheats? What if I can't ever trust mm-hmm. them again? How will I ever be able to tell if I should move on past these issues or um, is the relationship just doomed? And then you said, sometimes the problem isn't your partner. Now, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, and this is, going back into what we were talking about with those trauma responses, right? Where it's, it's being able to, as a betrayed partner to, again, separate out, all right, if my partner's in active recovery and I see the signs and I'm, we have good communication going when I'm getting triggered, why am I thinking about leaving the relationship? Why am I having this trauma response that's making me maybe not think very clearly about what I need to do. And part of this is, you know, we were talking a little bit about the biology in the body, but part of this is also the biology in the brain, where when we go into a trauma response, right, we are in a survival mode. We are running from a tiger in that moment, whether it's real or perceived. And our brains shut down the frontal lobes. We get rid of executive function. We get rid of our language centers. You know, if you're running from a tiger, you do not need to be talking about it. You are just running from the tiger. And so we don't make very clear decisions when we are out of our window of tolerance. And so I talk to partners about that. If your partner is doing all of the right things and is in active recovery, we want to help your nervous system start to understand, hey, things are safer now and your partner isn't slipping, but what's happening with you? Well, I get that. But if they are a cheater, if they aren't uh-huh. being relational, if they really put themselves first before their family and their spouse, could the problem still be them, the partner? I mean, I think that's 
it's it's a, you know you'd have to look deeper. What what I would look at at that point is if there is a repeat pattern that has been going on in the relationship, and again, their partner really isn't getting better, and the same behaviors keep occurring that are causing hurt in the family and to the partner. Well, yeah, this is this is where we need to think about that betrayal bonding, and is there a problem staying with a person who's hurting you? And what's going on here? And this is where it may be some of that deeper trauma that could be related to, you know, family systems, um, some, some attachment trauma, things like that. And, yeah, there are times where if a partner is, is not getting better and things are continuing to be hurtful and painful in the relationship, yeah, you might need to make a decision to not be in that relationship anymore or at least do therapeutic separation and give your partner more time in recovery to see if it gets better. Well, you better believe it. And what we want to be very clear is that it we're not saying that the partner is at blame for anything. I mean, this has happened to you. You didn't ask for mm-hmm. it. You didn't deserve it. And, and both Rebecca and I are saying... You definitely want to identify how you are being affected and could there be trauma responses that are affecting your judgment and your choices and your life. Regardless, it is up to you as a partner to live your best life, and that means looking into some of those treatments, some of those supports, and some of those resources to get you better because yeah. You didn't ask for this, but now you've got to at least live your best life, whether you stay or whether you go. And Rebecca Stokes, it is always such a pleasure to hear, let's face it, how um, astute you are in seeing the total picture. How can people get a hold of you if they want to know more about you? Yeah, um, you can follow. I've got my website, which is just, um, my my author website, which is just RebeccaSoaks.com. And then I have my private practice um, therapy, which is Northern Sun Therapy in uh, Boston, Montana. That's right. So, again, if you'd like to see her website and see all the incredible things she's done, go to www.Rebecca, and that's R-E-B-E-C-C-A, Soaks, S-T-O-K-E-S dot Thanks, Rebecca, for helping us look at what we need to do when you're at that yellow light and you don't know whether you need uh-huh. to stay or where you go. Thanks again. Oh, thanks so much, Carol. I really appreciate it. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. So, obviously... That's the big issue that so many partners ask about, whether they're female or male. You know, should I stay or should I go? Should I cut my losses or should I continue to pursue the amount of time I've been putting into this relationship? It's never easy. But you can start with taking better care of yourself, showing yourself constructive compassion, and living your best life regardless of what has been put in your path. I'm Carol Jurgensen Chief, a.k.a. Carol the Coach, and as I always say, there will only be one of you at all times. 
fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Make it a good one. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.